Hello, everyone. Welcome back to our next encounter lesson. We're looking at October 30th. Can you believe it's the end of October already? The end of October. Guess what? Today would be, my friends, Reformation Sunday, actually. Woohoo! Yay! Okay. Yeah, so, Reformation. It. it is exciting. Reformation Sunday. Um, today, our scripture selection is coming from 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 4 through 9, 10 through 15, and 16 through 28. We're jumping around a little bit in there, but there's really good stuff in there. Yeah, really good stuff. And it's lesson. Solomon. Yeah, Solomon prays for wisdom in this lesson today. I do love this lesson. It's a good lesson. I am uh, one of your lovely co-hosts in crime, love Reverend it. Rebecca Zardi. I'm the director of ministry with women for the ministry council of the Cumberland Presbyterian Church. And my name is Chris Fleming. I'm the adult ministries coordinator for the ministry council of the Cumberland Presbyterian Church. Glad that you're here. This is Leo. He's going to be with us again today. Leo, not make too much puppy dog. <laughs> puppy about that dog. Um, so welcome. And uh, again, I really like this lesson. Really good lesson. So yeah, it's okay, a really good lesson. And I hope um, not only do y'all enjoy it, but that you also receive edification from it. Amen. Amen. Um, any up and coming stuff that we need to talk about? Any dates? I am worn out. Calendar? I have no idea what's coming up. Okay. <laughs> well, it's that... the end of October. So we're about a month away from Advent. So yes. Ah, uh, yes. So um, we sources. I'll put that yes. in the uh, newsletter and on the Encounter Helps webpage. So that um, is cpcmc.org forward slash we, W-E, sources. We sources, like resources, use a W instead of the R. That That's will right. be a free curriculum if your church hasn't used it in the past. I think it's about two years old, maybe three. I'm not, I'm not sure how old it is. Um, it's still good. It's still good. And it covers your entire church. So all the weeks of yes. Advent, and I think maybe one extra, um, but you can do personal study. Uh, children, youth, uh, uh, young adults, adults. So um, have fun. It's good yeah, stuff. Absolutely. And if your church hasn't started thinking about Advent yet, now is the time to start planning and getting things ready for Advent. Um, I know when I was pastoring, one of the things that I did with my kids uh, was a Jesse tree. We made Jesse tree ornaments which was really fun and amazing to do. So if, um, if you haven't heard about a Jesse tree, it is, um, it is a different ornament for each day that walks you through the line of David all the way through the birth of Christ. And it gives you biblical um, scriptures to go with each day. So it helps your children learn the story of Christ. I'll put, if I'm reminded and I remember, I'll put that in the uh, little newsletter and the Encounter Help page as well. Very good. Yay. So that's what we got up and coming. Um, so let's begin with our prayer for illumination today. It says, God, give us the wisdom of Solomon as we study this lesson. Open our eyes to the lessons you would teach us. Give us discernment to see your will in our world. Amen. And our memory verse for today comes from first Kings chapter three, verse 28. It says all Israel heard of the judgment that the King had rendered and they stood in awe of the King because they perceived that the wisdom of God was in him to execute justice. Amen. Yeah. yeah okay. So we're talking about our politicians could have the, Oh my goodness. Maybe justice. we should pray that daily for our politicians. That would be awesome. Not a bad idea. So Caleb starts us off with this discussion question. He says, in your own words, how would you define the word wisdom? Does anyone in particular come to mind when you think about wisdom? What do you think? 
I think we've defined wisdom last summer uh, because we had Ecclesiastes and Job. Oh, yeah, Um, that's right. So, but wisdom, I think, is, you know, divine revelation put in action. Like, yes. How's that? I think that's a pretty good one. I would totally agree with that. Um, Do you have, do you have a particular person that comes into mind? I've had so many mentors. um, It it would be very difficult to list them all. I always bring up Dr. East. Uh, There's uh, Dr. Mattingly from the Bible college, um, Mary Lou Martin. She was one of the ladies at the Bible college. Mm. Uh, my mom and dad in their own way, you know, yeah. you, you discover their wisdom later, but the parental wisdom it's there. Um, um, Nathan, uh, at, at the, the youth, uh, coordinator that I work with, I think he's a very wise person, Eleanor yeah. in her way. It's very, very wise yeah. person. And um, so I'm surrounded by people who I think are, are wise now. That's awesome. Like, I, maybe I'm jumping the gun here, but I, I think as I've grown old, older, I've also given people a pass uh, because like even Solomon, as wise as he was, and as much as scripture plays up his wisdom was still stupid sometimes. Yes. Or made stupid mistakes. That, that's true. Right. And so like. You know, that, every, that whole 300 wives, 700 concubines. Yeah. Uh, so like somebody like in my life, like Dr. East or Dr. Mattingly or, or people that I know them in a particular setting, I don't know their faults. I just know all the good things that, that are about them. But like parents, one of the reasons as to why it's hard to say, well, my parents were really wise because you, you can't, you, you normally don't think about this, but when you were 10 or 11, they were like 35, 40, and they were still kids too. But, you know, yeah. it's like, and you know, their mistakes. And so that's, yeah, that's. So anyway, I, I say all that to say wisdom doesn't mean somebody's right all the time and they act, yeah. but they have at least an understanding of things. That's awesome. Okay. So your definition of wisdom again was divine revelation. Put in action. Put in action. That's I think interesting. Is a pretty good. What do you got? I really, I know. I really like that. Um, I, I would agree with all the people that you say, you know, I can't think of most of my coworkers, all of my coworkers are, are very wise in their own way. Um, and I appreciate the things that they bring to the table. I would agree with my parents. You know, I think my parents are very wise. The older I get, the wiser they, I realize they are, you know, because I'm like, Oh yeah. I remember them saying that, you know, hello. But one, I would think, um, one that just came to my mind that was kind of surprising was actually my daughter. Um, I mean, she's, you know, she's a kid, she's immature. She makes some crazy decisions sometimes like we all have, but I would say that even from childhood, she has often surprised me with her wisdom um, and I can only say that that was given to her by God because yeah. it's you, it was usually in the context of I'm sure it was genetic as well. Sure. Cause I am amazing. Or were you talking about my husband? Okay. Uh, we oh, won't go there. Oh, sure. <laughs> we'll stop right there. Um, but there have been times when we've had some very deep conversations about scripture and what scripture is teaching us at this point. And there have been times in her life that the wisdom pouring out of her young mouth, just, I I just sit there in awe, like, wow, like this has to be a divine revelation from God. 
because she is too young to understand exactly what she's saying but but the wisdom pouring forth is just i I mean astonishing and she has done that several times in her life so wisdom is still given i think yeah um yeah and then as you live there's moments where you can tell you know there's like just moments where you're where somebody says something and you see something a completely different way and i think that's that's good absolutely absolutely so our intro really sets us up for what's going on here with King Solomon. Um, you know, he is the son of King David, and we have this amazing wisdom that is given to him as a, as a gift from God. He requests it um, from God through, and I like how Caleb pointed out that this was like a prayer. Yeah. I hadn't, I hadn't oh. really looked at that that way before. So this is really interesting. So well, we're so go- I like that. I mean, in a sense, uh, all the things that, I mean, like if you pray without ceasing or if you're in, I mean, yeah. I think everything can be characterized by prayer. Um, That's true. So um, good stuff there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So let's explore the scripture a little bit. So Caleb gives us some backstory on, on Solomon and when he reigned, um, you know, looks like from about 970 to 931 BC, somewhere in there. And his mom, we just talked about this last week, we talked about Bathsheba and Solomon's name in, in Hebrew is actually come, comes from the word peace. And I really thought that was interesting, sure. you know, because we're talking about what happened between David and Bathsheba. And of course the first child that Bathsheba bore to David, the child died, um, and now we have Solomon. And so David feels like, okay, maybe, maybe he's made, God has made peace with him or he's made peace with God either which way, um, because of his repentance for, for what he did. Um, and so here we have Solomon taking over after David. Well, while David was dying, really, he took over as, as King between Bathsheba and Nathan, again, that prophet that doesn't get talked about a whole lot. Cause I mean, he's not mentioned very much, right. but he helped uh, establish Solomon's reign. And then he experiences God in a dream. I love right. this. So what have you got in here? Um, so I like, I mean, Solomon with the derivative from Shalom. Um, yeah. Peace. Cause I think wisdom brings, brings peace. I think the, sure. the goal of the goal of wisdom, biblical wisdom, practicing the biblical wisdom is flourishing in peace, which is what really shalom means. It's not just an absence of conflict, but it's wholeness. So uh, mm-hmm. when you have a king, then like in our illustration, where you have two women that are fighting, not only does he execute a just order that brings, well, I guess the one woman probably didn't have peace, but, but it did bring like our um, memory verse. Um, the king is going to execute execute justice and so that means there's going to be some type of shalom a peace absence of conflict and also maybe people can grow in the kingdom so it's going to be a good kingdom for them Uh, so that's one thing i got um and then also i have it in i'm not real so he's presented with like a she said she said like right action um and uh, well that might be the one anyway um Let's see here. What was I trying to say here? Oh, the other thing would be like when God asked, what do you want? Right. 
Um, yeah. We get this perfect illustration of what it means when Christ says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these things will be added unto you. Like yeah. Solomon had a, the wisdom of Solomon was to seek the most important thing. And then when you seek the most important thing, you get the other things. Right? Everything else falls into place, right? Right. Um, let's see. What else do I have in here? Ultimately, I have, um, I don't know why I have this. I'm trying to figure it out. Um, Solomon's wisdom was put to the test. And I think that's where you see if wisdom is real. So mm -hmm. like, in theory, Solomon was a really wise person. And he might have a lot of theories. But when you start putting your theories and your wisdom to the test to see if it works, um, who knows? But in this case, Solomon put, it, put his wisdom to the test. And he was proved... He was proved wise. Sure. So, I think that's all I got there. Okay. I really um, appreciated where Caleb pointed out that this wasn't like, it wasn't like a genie. You know, God is not a genie in the bottle that you can just ask, you know, and, and expect your wishes to be granted, right? But that it was more of God examining Solomon's heart to really understand what his, and I put down that it's, it's what his true motivations were. It says yeah. God and the reader get an intimate view of Solomon's aspirations and desires. So this is the true motivation, you know, are you in this position as King and are you just going to seek, uh, worldly riches and fame and power, or what is it that you're really looking for? And I like how you, you compared the two with, when Jesus says, seek ye first, yeah. because that's really what Solomon was doing. His, his true motivation was God was looking for, for, for God first. And then everything else just kind of falls into place. So this was a way of, of God examining Solomon's heart and us understanding that what Solomon was truly after wasn't the worldly riches, wasn't the fame that he had, but that got him into trouble, but God himself he was looking for, for the God's kingdom first. So yes. it, it shows him as this uh, very faithful, faithful person to God, which is great. Yeah, page 49, about the middle page, second full paragraph, that final sentence, that's where, where I say uh, wisdom is put to the test. It says, immediately following the story of Solomon's dream, a judicial matter of intense complexity forces the king to render near impossible judgment and a shiny new wisdom is put to the test, right? Shiny I mean, like new wisdom. Yeah. I mean, that's how, you know, have you put your divine revelation into action and Solomon yeah. did there and it worked. Yeah, absolutely. So then Caleb gives us this great riddle. I like this. This was fun. I did like this. Riddle. I enjoyed so this. If you've ever watched the labyrinth, this is the riddle um when i'm trying to think of the character's name sarah when she is in the labyrinth and she comes to the to the two doors and these these two characters um i love jim henson and the muppets and i'm so glad that he was a big part of the labyrinth um but the two characters then are standing at the doors and this is this is really the riddle that she gets yeah. one one will lead to the center of the labyrinth I know this i don't think and i remember Oh, you don't remember this? Oh, yeah. So one door will lead to the center of the labyrinth where she'll be able to rescue her baby brother who's been stolen by the goblin king. And then one door leads to certain death. And I love how when they say certain death, the two little knights go, don't, don't, don't. It really cracks me up. <laughs> 
so this is this is the choice um and it's a really it's really interesting because i i, I too had to think about this answer that that he gave but this is what this is what wisdom does you know because on the surface it looks kind of like this is an impossible thing to answer but wisdom finds a way to to get to the answer like in jurassic park chaos or life finds a way wisdom finds a way anyway. wisdom finds a way absolutely so this is our digging deeper yep. section um that we get the answer about what wisdom looks like um and i really it's the second paragraph down on Caleb page says, 50. on page 50 yeah. second paragraph down it says solomon begins this he's this is where caleb is talking about this being a prayer so solomon begins by praising and honoring god remembering god's faithful presence in his father david's life and in his own life he then makes his request known and states his intention asking for wisdom he says in hebrew he literally asked for a hearing heart it's an awesome to better serve god's chosen people i love that and one thing that we have to remember is in ancient cultures the heart and mind your your emotions were not um centered in your mind your emotions came from your heart because you know obviously they didn't understand Ooh. physiology um but so asking for this hearing heart meant that he was asking for this way to understand people better and truly see people for who they were I and he compares awesome. this with philippians 4 6. yeah, yeah go ahead yeah oh Okay. Well, Philippians 4, 6, he says that everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Yeah. So it's this idea of giving God glory and praise and honor for who God is, and then making your request known to God. Yeah. I like the hearing heart. I mean, I think that's good in our, in our society too. Yeah. But it might be I don't know. We maybe have gone so far. So like for Presbyterians, especially the old frozen chosen type, like myself, <laughs> like I would need to, I would need a hearing heart. Right. Okay. Because sometimes I will, before it gets to my heart, it'll stop up here and I'm going to analyze it. Uh -huh. And I'm going to like, blah, 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 but I never get down here because that's my personality. Uh, and so, uh, but there are other people who I, th you know, I think are empty headed sometimes and they're run by passion. Well, like, yeah, yeah, I know no. what you mean, yeah. And so, like, I think, as you were saying, it, it, there needs to be a hearing heart and a wise head, you know, yes. those are both filters that uh, that are desirable qualities. Yes. Um, but, like, for me, that's a good prayer. I liked reading that. I never, never thought about that. I have, I think my daily prayer after reading this would be give me a hearing heart and an honest heart. Like, mm -hmm. no deceit, no, you know, no manipulation, no nothing. That's, that's what, if I was full-time at a church right now, that would probably be a daily prayer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. This, this hearing heart. Um, and then Caleb gets into comparing this with the Lord's prayer Yeah, and really how, good. yeah. And then how there's this comparison between Solomon's prayer and the Lord's prayer prayer. So it says for starters, 
Um, neither prayer jumps straight into questioning something from God, but both begin by conferring honor towards God. Yeah. And then reflecting on God's character is the vital first step in communicating with God. And I think that's really important. Um, not all prayers do, I guess. I, you know, when I'm thinking about those times in my life when I have just immense emotional pain and trauma going on in my life, you know, honor to God is not the first thing that comes to my mouth when I'm in those moments. It is usually, you know, God help me, God save me, God you know, get me out of this situation, whatever it happens to be. But when thinking about the Lord's prayer and thinking about probably our normal, I'm going to put that in quotations, our normal prayers. It's usually, you know, when you begin a prayer, like, you know, gracious and loving God, um, awesome and wonderful creator, you know, just, just thinking about the words that we use when we begin prayers, I guess really it is just conferring honor and, and bringing a place to who God is first and foremost before we dive into anything else in our prayers. And I hadn't thought about that before. Yeah. So, so that's good. Um, and then he goes into um, this specific request. Yep. So that's when we get into uh, asking for what it is that we're looking for. And Caleb points out that it it's it shows that Solomon seeks to follow God's will above all else, which is what we were talking about just a little bit ago. But then looking at, um, so we're conferring honor and then we get into the request. And this request, he says, um, digging deeper, it reveals that anyone with a heart for God will request God's will be done. And I think that's really important. It's pretty, it's pretty important. Yes. That's yeah. incredibly important because so. too often we want our will to be done. <laughs> right. I mean, I do. Truthfully, I do. I like my will to be done actually. Sure. Sure. So. So that's, that's a great thing to think about when we're praying, you know, are we praying that God's will be done in our life or, or that our will be done? There was several years ago, somebody pointed out, um, we were doing a study on prayer in one of, one of my churches and the book that we were reading, somebody had pointed out in the book that at the beginning of service, we should ask that our service be pleasing to God, yeah. you know, instead of going, okay, we're going to do our service this way. And that's it, you know, but that what we do in our service, the songs that we sing, the, the praises that we offer up, um, the message that is heard that it be in God's will, but it be a pleasing fragrance before the yeah. throne. Yeah. Um, I think that's right. Like, um, and the way you do that, so like churches, oftentimes they have like an invocation at the first, um, but sometimes they just say, you know, it's just a prayer, but what you're supposed to do at the invocation technically is to invoke the Holy Spirit down on your service so that you can be pleasing and acceptable. And so that's what the word invocation means. It just, does, it doesn't mean just opening prayer. It means send your Holy Spirit, dear Lord, invoke the power of the Holy Spirit on your service. 
Uh, the other seat, learn something new today. Learn something new, don't you? Benediction actually also means just for the kicks and giggles of it. The benediction isn't a closing prayer. It's actually the blessing that the pastor uh, puts forth on the people. So the Lord bless you and keep you. <clears throat> it's it's a command almost. I mean, it's in the it's in that tense that you're commanding God in faith, not in humbly, to bless the people who gathered. Right, and so mm -hmm. it's not just a closing prayer. It is a pronounced blessing. Anyway. Um, I don't want to get into it until we do the discussion question because I okay. got a, I got a sermon illustration. Well, here. let's do the discussion question then. Yeah. It says, do, do you have a typical structure or rhythm to your prayers? Are there certain words or phrases that you pray often? And are there certain things you avoid when praying? Um, so it just fit in with the discussion question. So why do it twice? Uh, right. when I, when I was at Bible college, you know, and I didn't have a clue what to do or whatever, but I learned the uh, acronym ACTS, right, to pray. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Okay. Like, that's a good way to go. So, adore God, right? Right. Confess your sins. Be thankful. Tell God all the things you're thankful for, and then you ask for that supplication, which could also be thy will be done, that kind of thing. Um, <clears throat> but the person that I think of most when I think about certain words or phrases that you hear Tara Siska. Papa God. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Papa God. Papa God. Yeah. Um, and I find that pleasing in one sense because uh, uh, she is sincere. Absolutely. Uh, and I, and I, I love to hear her pray. Um, would I ever use the term Papa God? No, because that's not me. Uh, but it is her and it's sincere. And ultimately in prayer, we're not trying to be technically right. We're trying to be heart right. Yes. Um, another thing that I do, um, so like the Anglican Church has like the what's called the colics, which are, you know, weekly prayers or whatever. Uh, like for this week, it would be blessed Lord who caused all holy scripture to be written for our learning. Help us to hear them, to read, mark, learn and inwardly digest them that through patience and the comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and forever hold fast the hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, I like language. And so like these old prayers, written prayers, um, yeah. they're not my prayers, but I connect with them. They stir within me emotions and mind sure. toward God. So that's another thing uh, you can do as a daily, daily prayer. Absolutely. And, and pastors, if you don't have a, a copy of the uh, book, of common, book of common worship, um, this is, this is the little pocket version there is a much bigger um but this is a great uh book that has all sorts of written prayers in it and these these come in handy you know especially when you're in a situation where you're just not exactly sure what to pray maybe it gives you some guidance the book. you know gives you some some yeah. ideas as to as to what to pray in these certain situations so it's a it's a, it's a great, um, for 2000 years, the church has been ministering in different situations and someone yeah. has recorded it. That's what, yes. and, and they it can help you. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And there's some beautifully written prayers on there because I think we do, you know, I mean, thinking about, are there certain words or phrases that you pray often? I think we do get stuck in a rut. You yeah. know, um, I, I was just thinking about one of the elders at my dad's church. My dad says the same thing every time his prayer. And one of the elders came up to him one time and said, uh, we need to get you a new phrase. 
Yeah, mine's. <laughs> they, were, they were tired of hearing the same thing over and over again. But we do. Yeah, my favorite is lead, guide, and direct us, which is yeah, all, I, the same thing. I, and I say that frequently. Yep. <laughs> yeah, lead, guide, and direct us, oh, Lord. I want you I to do I, say that. I frequently. want you to stick with. Got us, oh thou great Jehovah. That would be okay. My- very good. Okay, <laughs> I will. I'll do my best to stick with that one. We all have our thing, but that's okay. Sure. Like uh, you know, and those are intimate relationships. So think about it this way: there's probably something that you say to your husband all the time, which is more than just what you say, but it's a symbol. It's like, uh, like um, you know, uh, you might to your children, you might have a thing that you say to your kid every night that they go to bed, mm-hmm. um, and it's rote but it's emotionally amazing. Um, yes. And it doesn't feel right if you don't go through that routine. Yes. Um, yeah. So. Part of my routine is as I'm laying in bed going to sleep, I repeat the Lord's prayer over and over again until I fall asleep. That That is part of my routine. And And if I have other things on my mind, when I wake up the next morning, I can tell that. I, I feel like, oh, I didn't do my normal prayer last night because I just, I didn't sleep as well or, um, whatever it happens to be. I can tell you when I didn't do them because part of that is, is processing through what that, what the Lord's prayer actually means. So it's saying it, but it's also processing through each line and under and trying to get to a deeper understanding of what, what the prayer actually is. But um, do you have like a typical structure? Do you have a typical rhythm to your prayers? Do they all start Usually the same the way? It's pretty much. Okay. Um, sure. I think that's a great, great way to pray because it's, um, I guess know. this is weird. The uh, cause of those uh, daily colleagues or written prayers. Um, yeah. I'm probably, I'm a snob. Uh, probably we dear know Lord this. is, um, Lord is probably the most informal I'll get. I like, I really like the almighty God, everlasting God. Uh, God of, uh, you know, something like that. I, I just, yeah. I, I, that's probably part of my raising. It's like, you know, you're from the South, everybody, sir, ma'am, you don't just call sure. by first name, but anyway. It's interesting that you brought up Tara with Papa God, because I'm now in a situation where I'm, I'm attending a different church here in Owensboro and the pastor here, Reverend Tim McGuire, he, he doesn't say Papa God, but he says daddy. Yeah and calls him daddy, you know, yeah. which, which is another, like, I, I find it interesting that I was with, came into the Cumberland Presbyterian church under Tara Cisco, who, who says <laughs> Papa God. And now I'm worshiping at a church where we now call daddy. God daddy. So, yeah. you know, and if, and if, for those of you that are listening, that don't understand where that term comes from, when Jesus says, Abba, father, Abba is a very intimate Jewish term, meaning Papa or daddy. So it's a very intimate form of, of that relationship, which is where, where that comes from. So, all right, let's learn from the scripture here. What did you have in this section that really jumped out to you? Um, so, I mean, this is impossible. I mean, like nowadays, of course we could take people for a DNA test, like you said. Um, but what you have presented in scripture is, you know, she said, she said, like I said, that's exactly But here's the cool thing about the way he handled it. Either way, he would have been right. Like, right? So, like, even if, um, so, experience has changed my mind on a lot of things. Like, I've been in a lot of situations, lots of situations, and people may call me hard-hearted, but they weren't sitting on the couch 
or helping out these families. I, there's a lot of families um, that I've worked with, not a lot, not a lot, strike that, not a lot, that honest to goodness, like um, a, the, a mom, they post on Facebook how much their kids mean to them, but like getting a situation, they, would, they wouldn't care about the kid. Um, minus some situations. Anyway, I say this to say Solomon was right in this sense. You could either have the, the uh, actual, you know, mother, genetic mother, doesn't mean you really want your kid because, I mean, maybe that's hardship that you don't really want to deal with. And so when he says, bring that sword, it could have been the genetic mother that says, nah, no, 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 let her have it. Or it could have been the, you know, the mother who was lying that says, yeah, cut it in half, right? But mm. either way, um, he's right, because it's the mother that had compassion on the kid. Yes. We still don't necessarily know. I mean, we're just assuming, right, that um, it was the that right the birth mother. mother. Yeah. yeah, we don't really know. But we do know he was right, because it was the mother who looked upon that child with compassion and love. Yes. Right. So that's good. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I like that. Um, and I've got in here um, that you could juxtapose this, and it comes from the rich young ruler, right? Where the, the desire mm. was for his riches. That was tough. And so the mother yeah. could be the, the desire of the, the mom was that the kid was healthy and grows up well, right? That was the greatest desire. So that's the true mom, yes. regardless if it's genetic or not. Right. Right. This was this was the woman who who wanted the best for the child and the well-being of the child, not not for ownership, right. but because of the child. And then I really enjoyed I mean, I think he's got the confession of faith hit just right there. Um, yeah. So I think that um, is good when we think about Solomon. Mm hmm. Wasn't great all the time, but pretty good. Right. Uh, and then. I really like the part where he, again, he brings in the Lord's prayer here. Yeah. Um, and it's the second paragraph up from the bottom on page 51. He says, anytime we pray the Lord's prayer, we declare our desire that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven, but genuinely seeking God's will for our lives is not how many of us choose to live. Mm. Right. That, that kind of hurt. I gotta be honest. Well, again, I mean, like Saul, we're no better than Solomon. Sure. Yeah. And so that, I mean, that confession of faith, um, 4.14, it, it helps us too. I mean, like, I mean, the best we can do as humans a lot of time is the intention to do right, whether yeah. we do it or not. That's a, almost feels like a toss of the dice. That, that kind of, yeah. But he closes, he closes the section out with saying, seeking the truth and wisdom of God's will requires acknowledging that God is greater than you and me every day. Therefore, we must listen for God's authoritative will for our lives. Uh, that's hard. Yeah. It is. I mean, that's, the that's really hard. So it is, but it's not. Like, okay. again, by principle, you know what to do. You know how to sure. live, you know, but I mean, but doing it is difficult. It's so like the discussion question. Why is it so difficult to seek God's will for our lives? Is it though? I mean, do we not know serve God, love one another? I mean, it's not well, hard. that's true. That's true. Um, but there's a lot of but things is that it, get in the way. Is it the laying down of our our own selves? Maybe it's the difficult part. So maybe it's not 
we understand what God's will for our, our life right. is, but the difficult part is letting yeah. go of our ourselves. Yeah, it's doing it. I mean, but yeah. that's the, you know, that's what we carry from Adam and Eve. That's the fall. That's the take care of ourselves. And then, and that's exactly what 4.14 is talking about. Um, there's this sinful nature, a conflict between their old selves and the new selves. That's the, what is it? Romans seven, Paul, mm. the things I want to do, I don't do the things I don't do. I, you know, things yeah. I want to do, I don't. I mean, that's, yeah. thank God he wrote that. I don't know how many times that passage says like, kept me from going insane. Like, <laughs> if he hadn't written that, I'd have been done with what? this. Y'all wouldn't even know me. That's true. That's true because it is, it is a, an encouragement to understand that we're not alone in that journey, that Paul himself struggled with the very same things that we struggle with, you know, which means that everybody else has struggled with the same things that we struggle with, that, that we, that we look for God's will in our life and we understand what God's will, but laying down our selfishness and allowing ourselves to follow what God's will is for our lives is, is, is hard. It's a hard process, I think which is kind of that second question of the discussion right. question, which says, how would you say our culture encourages us to think about planning, preparing for a future? First thing I thought of when I read that was, and I hate doing this and I try so hard to stop, but I sit and have conversations with middle schoolers, high schoolers. And what's the first thing that comes out of my mouth? What are you, you going to be when you grow up? What are you going to be when you grow up? You know, and it's just like, why do I ask that? Because I've been trained to, I've, I've been trained in the culture that this is the thing that we ask, but maybe the question needs to be, but what do you think God's will is for your life? That's the question. What is God leading you to? Yeah. And it's a so, fundamental difference. A huge difference because there's a difference between our selfish ambitions and our selfish drive and our selfish nature versus what God's calling us to do in our lives and in mm-hmm. the path that God has laid before us. You know, I know we've talked about it before on this with like, even the position that I'm in now, this was a calling that I had to answer. I, I can't, if you've never experienced a call from God, I don't know how to tell you other than there is this fire deep pit of your stomach drive that you must do whatever this is that God's laying before you, whether you want to or not, that you have to go in this direction. Becky was born for such a time as this. (laughs) Oh, terrifying. Um, I've seen in my life, I've changed a little bit on planning the future. When I was younger, I didn't have so much concern about money at all. And I still don't really, but I can tell that the older I get, the older my wife gets, the closer we get to retirement, I I am looking more toward uh, money being in, you know, retirement plans or whatever else, because sure. some of it isn't really, I mean, I can say this, some of it's selfish. I want to have good retirement. Right. But second thing would be, I also don't want to be a burden on the kids. True. Like, I really don't. Yeah. Like, I've, I've seen being in the local pastorate, you know, if, if a parent's not ready, doesn't have yeah. things in line, 
kids lose 10 years of their life, especially with Alzheimer's nowadays and trying to pay for things and whatever. I mean, like, and I don't fault nobody because life is hard, but I really want to try very, very hard not to be a burden to my kids. So I don't know if that's selfish or not. I guess that's my excuse to be selfish. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe. I don't know. I, you know, I think it's, I think it's a legitimate and well thought through reason, whether or not it's selfish or not. I, I don't know, or whether or not you're justifying your actions. We'll see how many um, trips to Europe I take. <laughs> <laughs> maybe then we'll go. Mm, yeah. He was just justifying. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Well, let's uh, apply the scripture. Uh, Caleb says a, a second sentence in this section, he says, rather than listening for God's will in our daily lives, we often choose to chart our own paths and jump through any and all necessary theological hoops to ensure ourselves and others that we are acting by God's will. There's your justification for your trips yeah. to Europe. Yeah. Sir. yeah. But, but he says, let us remember the faithfulness of Solomon today, be encouraged to seek wisdom from God and follow God's leadership. Yeah. Yeah, he did a good job there. Um, also, yeah. that next paragraph, first line, let us reclaim the radical countercultural dependence on God that Christ calls us to espouse in all dimensions of life. I don't know how you can do that. Like, that's literally, I mean, we have saints. I mean, like, whether, whether you're not Catholic or not, at least their lives are examples. Lots yeah. of the saints, St. Francis, ran away naked. Like, you know, they tried to stop him. He's like, even the clothes off my back, I'm not going to take. Who does that? Right. I mean, but I will not like, be the, running naked through yeah. the streets anytime soon. Just so monks or nuns. Um, in the past, I mean, even you know, the Protestant folks who gave up all things to preach the gospel and missionaries. I mean, like, yeah, it's really easy to say. Like radical countercultural dependence on God. Think I'm mean, man, you could spend 20 hours just unpacking in all parts of your life what it means to be radical or countercultural. Yeah um well maybe that needs to be our prayer for this week though maybe that needs to be something that we need to look at is how can we be radically countercultural dependent on god yeah i don't even know if we've set up to do it um yeah you know i mean it's just I mean, we can't even think like for us it's like you know fasting during lent is like terribly hard sure <laughs> so i don't know and, i don't uh, and that's we, true we might be so comfortable at this point, you know, so I, we've been through uh, Presbyterian season, got one more to go to see you soon, Nashville. Um, but I've thought in going to Presbyterian, my own church, my own life. So I'm not throwing any stones. What would happen if the Carmelo Presbyterian church had one person in our whole denomination that said, you know what? I'm sold out and I'm, I'm in it to win it. And, and they yeah. just become Francis of Assisi 2.0. Would that change the church? Wow. It would. Oh, well, that's, that's an interesting thought. Yeah, my prayer is maybe I can be that one day. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I do pray. I pray that somebody just, I'm a John the Baptist type. I mean, obviously, they don't come around often. But, but they do on occasion, you know? Yeah. And so I pray that there's somebody in our church somewhere that can lead us, guide us, and direct us. <laughs> See, that's come in handy. <laughs> it comes in handy. It's great. I'm not, but 
I don't know. I would like to see what would happen. What is it? Uh, you know, the old gospel quote somebody used to say, like, it's not that the gospel is found wanting. It's that, you know, nobody's ever tried it or something like that. I forgot. The quote. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, and maybe maybe I pray and maybe it's me someday. Uh, you know, maybe it's my wife. Maybe it's somebody listening. Yeah. Maybe it's a kid in the youth group. I don't know. Yeah. But I just I pray that God will raise up just a spectacular Solomon, if you will, in our church. Yeah. But anyway, what do I know, right? Yeah. But so. that's a, that's a, just thinking about my own prayer life and how it has changed through the years. Maybe that's something that needs to be added into my prayer life is, is I'm scared of me. It. I'm not gonna a lie. Radical, really? Okay, so what? What makes you? What? Let's I've unpack that for me. Studied the same. What terrifies you? I like I like radios, stereos. I like cars. I like houses. I like oh, just hanging out with my family whenever. Yeah, I, yeah. I like a comfortable job. I like being able to put in retirement. There's a lot of things that I really, really like. Sure. So I mean, like it scares me. I mean, what, like, if you were really, like, if me and my wife got on the same page one day, like, there's months where she wants to, like, sell everything we have and live a simple life, and then she's over yeah. it, and I'm, I'm in it. Like, if we ever got together at the same time, like, this would be terrible. We'd have an empty house. But, <laughs> um, well, you'd probably sell your house, too. Who knows, you know? Yeah, 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 that's what yeah. I'm saying. Like, I mean, if we really wanted to, man, it's just scary. It's scary interesting thought for our teachers and pastors this week what would that look like yeah. what would this radical counter-cultural dependence upon god look like yeah. good thought process so it says conclude this lesson by praying the lord's prayer together um and then ask these types of questions like uh ponder what personal sacrifice you might be required so i'd say as our um first we're going to have a closing prayer and then we'll have a benediction because those okay. are two things. But let's pray the Lord's Prayer together. How about that? So if you're at home yeah, watching, um, whatever whatever way you learned it, if you're King James English or if you're NIV or whatever else, just um, uh, we pray the prayer your son taught us to pray, saying, mm -hmm. Our Father, our Father who art Lord in, heaven, in heaven, hallowed, hallowed be, thy, be name. thy name. Thy, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done <laughs> on earth as, as it, it is, is in heaven. Give, give us, us this, this day our daily, our daily bread. bread. And, and forgive, forgive us our, our debts, debts as we forgive, forgive our debtors. debtors. Lead we'll us not into temptation, but deliver, but deliver us, us from evil. From evil. For thine is the kingdom, kingdom and, the power, and the power and the, and the glory, glory forever. forever. And okay. friends, this is why you don't have choir specials on Zoom. No, yeah. The, <laughs> the timing back and forth is terrible on the mics. It's awful. But hey, we did it. Yeah. And and prayerfully, you uh, yeah. had better timing than we did. <laughs> you do what you do. That's all you can do. And now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with all of us. It's in Christ's name we pray. Go on and do well this week. And we'll see you Amen. next week. Bye, everyone. <laughs>